Welcome back to the Willow Center podcast. My name is Chase Cotton. I'm the community director here at the Willow Center in Brownsburg, Indiana. I am your host, along with my good buddy, Mason. What do you do for us again, Mason? Remind us. I am the recovery empowerment coordinator here at the Willow Center. Awesome. Always glad to co-host with Mason. And in this month, he's actually our guest. Woo! So Mason is going to be in the hot seat this month to, uh, to talk about this month's myth, which is that Cannabis is not that bad, or by its more common name, marijuana is not that big a deal. It's not that addictive, or it could actually be helpful in some situations. We're going to talk about that myth, kind of break it down. I've got some tough questions that I'm going to be asking Mason. Are you ready? I, I'm i going to try my best. You All know? right. <laughs> I, think, I think I can. I think we got this. All right. Let's bust this myth, man. So just to dive right in, I, I think it's important to establish sort of a foundation of like, what are... I guess, like the foundational, like bits and chemical pieces of the cannabis plant. Can you mm. describe that to us? Yeah, definitely. So there's really two. I think the terms are cannabinoids built in to the marijuana plant, or cannabis plant. So, and that's where the term cannabis actually comes from, the cannabinoids. Right. And so those two cannabinoids are CBD and THC. Okay. So as you probably see a lot as you drive up and down the highways of indiana you'll see a lot of cbd stores and it's like wait a minute is that just are they just selling marijuana well kind of kind of kind of (laughs) (laughs) the cbd is more of a relaxation it's what, what you would think of as um, closer to medical marijuana. You know, that term medical marijuana. Medical marijuana is high on CBD. And so although we don't have THC legal here. Um, in Indiana. In so, Indiana, yeah. right. We still, are, they're still able to just extract purely CBD um, for, I, they say it's body relaxation benefits and there, there's no psychoactive benefits, but it's it's really... It's hard to say the exact benefits because mm. there's really not a whole lot of studies on sp- specifically CBD. Right. So that's helpful. So how does CBD differ from THC then? Yeah, definitely. So CBD, like I said, um, just for your body, it's kind of like taking maybe an ibuprofen, right? It's just going to turn your feelings down a little bit mm. uh, bodily. Where THC, that's where you get that psychoactive effect. So... Um, that's where you get the sense of like being high mentally like that. The uh, I, I reminisce to like that 70s show, you know, that yeah, uh, sitting in the room yeah, everybody, smoke in the air. Exactly. That is that, you know, where you think of all those, um, you know, m- cannabis using stereotypes of like having munchies and um, d- things in that nature all that's more more associated with the psychoactive ingredient yes yes yes, so uh, hearkening back to you know the the cannabis of the 70s and that's featured in that 70s show Mm. um is the cannabis used today the same as or similar to that sort of hippie era cannabis are there any differences Mm. that's a really good question so prior to marijuana legalization the Like, you couldn't really grow it, right? You couldn't perfect the marijuana plant. It was kind of underground. It's illegal, right? Right. And so during that time, the the THC or the psychoactive part of the drug 
was so much less mm. because you weren't growing for effect. You were just growing to have any marijuana. Right. It wasn't growing to have the best. It was growing to have some. And so now that there is legalization and you see it in Illinois and Colorado and so many places, Michigan, Michigan, yeah, yeah there are, um, they're growing to have the highest amount of psychoactive component, the highest amount of THC. And that is so much different mm. than the hippie era marijuana. So what I hear you saying is that the the actual plants that are grown today are genetically modified from an agricultural mm. con- like perspective yes, to be stronger, if you will, on the exactly. THC side of things. Well, if they can do it to corn, right? Which we all, you know, right. like. That is true. They like, do a lot of modification <laughs> to corn. They can do it to that. They can do it to just about anything. And so, yeah, they, they're really, they're weeding it out, if you will, to try uh, to get the most. Zing. <laughs> boo. <laughs> and, and so, and with that, diff, with those higher levels of THC, with this higher psychoactive, with those, these higher psychoactive components, People are getting mo- like higher, mm. and the actual experience of being high has become modified itself. Yes, so I think it's really interesting if you look at the old studies. If you look at like where medical marijuana comes from, right? It's to reduce anxiety. It's to reduce pain in people with cancer. That's like that medical marijuana idea, right? And those. Uh, like the actual cannabis they're using in those studies is very low THC and it's way higher in the CBD component. Mm. And so when people are like, oh, I smoke to help with my paranoia, I smoke to help with, you know, whatever the case may be for them, they're real. If they are getting higher THC, they're, they're actually putting themselves at risk to have these panic attacks to increase anxiety. Oh, that's interesting. I definitely want to dive more into that in a, in a few minutes. But zooming in specifically on the idea of smoking mm. cannabis, that's how we traditionally think of it, right? Especially going back to the, that 70s show, it's like the, yeah, man, pass the bud kind of thing. <laughs> but it's like, is that is that super common these days? Or are there any more common ways of using cannabis that are becoming mm. more popular? Yeah, that's a really good question. And so it depends it, it so heavily depends on, you know, the environment you're in. For um, high school students, especially, one of the primary ways that they use cannabis is through THC vape pens. No kidding. And so they have attachments they can put on top of these, um, like, vape batteries, and then, boom, you are, you're using cannabis. Mm. And there's actually... Um, what they call like weed light, but it's called Delta eight, Delta nine, Delta zero. There's a bunch of these like fake weeds, which could be reminiscent of like KT, you know, like synthetic marijuana. There's not been any studies done and it doesn't seem to be as intense as of right now. Right. But it is out there and it's in the same vapor cartridges, just like marijuana is. And it has very similar effects. So vaping it. And there's obviously medical or, um, Edible marijuana. Edible, right. Yeah. I think there's also waxes too, right? Yes. Those yes. waxes are pretty high concentration because they are synthesized from the plant. They're not just a plant ground up. Mm-hmm. And so the waxes, very, that's a great point. The waxes that you would see um, used in like elaborate smoking 
um, like contraptions. Yeah, bongs. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like th- those are the same waxes that are put into the, the vapes. So the vapes uh, and the bongs are using similar, oh, fascinating. Um, you know, high THC concentrates. Yeah. Well, that's good to know. So give us like a, like a yes, no, why is THC based cannabis use addictive? Hmm. Yes or no? That's gonna that's gonna have to be a heavy yes from me, which is a yes. hot a heavy yes, which is a hot take nowadays. It is. All right, tell us tell us why. How prevalent is this? Well, THC addiction. I mean, the prevalence is it's hard to say because the culture right now claims that marijuana is not addictive. It mm. says, "Oh my goodness, it's medical. It can't be addictive." Well, tell that to everyone who started using opioids when they weren't addictive but oh good points <laughs> right similar marketing strategies on that front like it's a it's a, a miracle medication mm-hmm. it has all these positive effects and yet we find out two decades later that there were bigger parties at play that mm-hmm. were just simply lying to us exactly hmm. and the it, it is addictive and, and i what i will say with thc based cannabis the difference is, is the withdrawals are not similar to withdrawals you're going to get from opiates. They're not similar to withdrawals you'd get from alcohol. You know, you think of the the videos and the movies you see where people are shaking and sweating and like, right. you, it, that's not going to happen most likely. But what is going to happen is something similar to a nicotine withdrawal. Okay. So inability to sleep, inability to eat, high irritability, mm. you know, social isolation, things where it's just like it's you just feel so tense and it puts your body under a lot of stress to not be consuming that's any so form interesting. Of cannabis. Right because to your point earlier, if if one of the main reasons that a lot of cannabis users give to use it is because they feel anxious or stressed or mm. tense, mm. like you could argue or you could at least make the tertiary observation that perhaps they are just trying to avoid withdrawal feelings mm-hmm. because their bodies become so used to having that substance in them. Exactly. And and yes, you're going to feel high anxiety, but if you ask anybody who stopped smoking cigarettes or anybody who stopped vaping, anyone who stopped nicotine products in general, it's so incredibly similar. You use it to quote unquote de-stress mm-hmm. and then... When you stop, your anxiety peaks, your mm. stress peaks, you like everything because your body's recalibrating. Your body's right. not used to, you know, sobriety, really. Right. That's a really huge observation. So let's consider like the, the, the two different types of cannabis users, right? We have some folks that might use socially or occasionally, mm. maybe it's short term. There are others that are religious, and I do mean religious in the religious sense, <laughs> right? There's almost a spiritual level of commitment to this culture mm-hmm. where it is what my life revolves around. I wake and bake. Mm-hmm. I, I have it at lunchtime in between work shifts. Mm-hmm. I do it as soon as I get home. Like, what what are the, the negative effects of, of either or? Yeah. Hmm. So to, to speak on, there, there's many more long-term, so I'll speak on the short-term first. Okay. Um, for the short-term side effects, you run into, I mean, like a cognitive fog. Um, mm. You know, you're unable to get as good of sleep. You know, you're not going to feel as rested. You're not going to feel, you know, like 100% because yeah. you're, you're using a substance. 
um, as well as that for some people it causes panic attacks for some people it increases anxiety for mm. some people it gives paranoia and so those are a lot of caveats there right for some people right and so yeah for some and for others maybe you don't notice many of those short-term side effects but that's where it's almost more dangerous if you're not noticing any short-term problems because you may be likely more likely to use it more regularly right more regularly and that's where you get into those long-term issues so tell us about those so those long-term issues the i this is not necessarily a, a medical one but to speak to the the spirituality of cannabis use <laughs> right. um it's so interesting because people literally choose employment options based off of their cannabis use and if, I, that, if that isn't like the most classical <laughs> like <laughs> like like definition of this is something that's controlling my life i don't know what is mm-hmm. exactly like the i you know, i just I, I know I know people who you know you are like okay I can't go into this type of employment I can't do this because I will be drug tested mm-hmm. and I will never be able to pass because I cannot stop right and then you say that like it it's it's said as a one-off joke but then you think about it and it's like wait a minute like you just described a medical condition to me yeah literally <laughs> <laughs> like right. what, what is no that big, no big deal <laughs> Uh, other long-term effects. So this is something really interesting, and it harkens back to the the high THC conversation we were just having, right? Which is high THC marijuana is making psychosis like people with latent psychosis. It's making the psychosis come out. Mm. So it's especially for young men, which is really interesting. But like. People of any gender, sure. it, could, it could happen to, but primarily young men right now who are smoking high level THC are like, it maybe the psychosis never would have come out. Maybe they could have had a hell, like, you know, like other ways of managing whatever stress or triggers could bring that level of, of dysfunction out. Exactly. And then, but because of the high THC content, it is pushing these psychotic episodes. Mm. And so, um, I think a lot of people in the cannabis community laugh that off and they're like, no way, no way it's causing it. Well, there, one, it's science, right? Right. (laughs) But two, yeah, I can understand why you would say that if you were smoking, you know, 15 years ago or 20 years ago when the THC content was much lower. But now it's way more psychoactive. It's hitting your brain very differently, which causes different effects on the brain. Right. So, um, so yeah, the psychosis is another long-term effect. And then obviously all of the other portions of addiction that come long-term, right? Right. The more behavioral symptoms that we've you know covered in previous episodes. Mm-hmm. Well, that's really helpful to know about. You know, I think one of the most pervasive uh, narratives that surrounds especially like the, like the full recreational legalization advocacy conversation is mm. that cannabis is simply a safer alternative in the same way that mm. alcohol is mm. right now there's enough data to support that alcohol isn't necessarily a safe alternative to anything right. considering how many deaths it causes especially mm. in traffic accidents but um in, in your opinion based off the study that 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 you have the background that you have is cannabis a safer alternative than so-called quote-unquote harder substances harder drugs hmm 
Uh, that's that's a really interesting question, and I I, I do want to you know parse it out a little bit. Yeah. So, in Indiana specifically, where marijuana is illegal, like medically, all all of the above, right? Right. Probably not, and here's why: because to be around a group who is using, like illegal substances such as marijuana you're opening the door to being around others quote-unquote harder substances mm. because your community is do is okaying one substance is more likely to okay another right. so not necessarily it's a gateway i'm not saying the individuals in your group will do harder drugs i'm sure. not saying that but what i am saying is you're more likely to be around it and if you're never around it you're probably never going to do it Sure. If you're around it, it's more likely. It's uh, so I from a probability standpoint, you're just increasing the opportunity for that to happen. Exactly. And so that that's I think that's kind of the idea of the gateway drug. That's where it really comes from. Is that and that's not really the question right now, but that's kind of that's the idea of the gateway drug is is that idea of okay, well, you are around one substance and it's more likely to cascade into mushrooms i know that the psychedelic and cannabis community are very interlinked hand in hand for sure but safer alternative in general right so let's say so let's really parse it out now so medically let's let's just put that aside and say that there probably are medical uses there's a lot of research done specific but if a doctor's prescribing you a certain level of THC and CBD based on your disease and you're using it reasonably, you're yeah. like using it like as you prescribed. would as prescribed, exactly. That's very different than if you're using high THC just for the effect. And at that point, if you're just using high THC for the effect of just getting high, I mean you might not get the um you're probably not going to have those like physical withdrawal symptoms of like shaking and sweating you're not going to have you know track marks from using a needle but what you are going to have is possibly a need to continue to get high and your life will just not be as full you will not be able to connect with as many people because cannabis is one of your main talking points and not everybody gets that. Right. And you are going to restrict your life a lot. So this, it's going to be a similar amount of restrictions as harder drugs, but you just won't die as quickly, right. which is a really harsh way to put it, but the yeah. truth. Yeah. So what I, what I hear you saying is that like internally from a brain and emotion and interpersonal relationship type experience like life experience it's not a safer alternative no but maybe from a purely medical sense where it's like will this kill me immediately in the same way fentanyl will you could make an argument that it's safer but that's not that's not saying you should go and do it then and that's the that's the key right there. That is a hundred percent the key. Yeah. Because those two ideas are conflated on so many forums online. Those two mm-hmm. ideas are conflated in so many groups around you know around the U.S. And they say it's not as physically you know harmful for me. There go good. Ergo good. Right. And I'm like, 
It's like a logical fallacy of yeah, sorts, right? Exactly. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <sighs> yeah, that's that's interesting because, like, especially when you're in the heat of a moment with, or, or one of these folks who is, are are religiously committed to cannabis, and and you're trying to argue a, a certain point of view with them, like it, it's hard to 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 make your point that it's not a safer alternative, because the argument is so, so often based purely on those physical or medical condition related items, mm-hmm. but it's like those physical or medical related items are never the entire conversation when it comes to a substance. No. Right. And most often those aren't even the most stigmatizing pieces of an addiction, right? It is usually the exterior behavioral symptoms that end up causing the most trouble. Mm -hmm. And what I hear you saying is that a lot of those are similar regardless of the substance. Yes. I, especially to, to hearken back to the short term, long term question of earlier, right? If you have somebody so let's say we were in a legalized state, like where marijuana is legalized. Yeah. You know? If you have somebody who, you know, may, maybe used marijuana every two months, similar to like somebody who drank every two months, like you consumed alcohol every two months, you know, and they didn't have, um, you know, the addictive gene in them and that, you know, it's not unlocking anything in their brain and that they have like self-control. Maybe there's a... Um, you know, maybe at that point, it's like, okay, that's a safer alternative. But that's incredibly short-term, incredibly controlled. And so many people in America, so many people across the globe have latent addictive genes in their body. Right. And the more chemical, the more ways that we use to change our brain, whether through substances, the more likely we are to unlock an addiction that we might not have had otherwise. Right. I mean, in effect, like, to consider yourself that one in a thousand people who <laughs> somehow has hit the genetic lottery and somehow has the best support system and somehow, mm-hmm. you know, et cetera. Like you're putting your faith in a lot of unknowns mm-hmm. by taking that risk when statistically speaking, most of us could be addicted to a drug pretty easily. Yeah. Yeah. That's so huge. Easily. So speaking of, um, you know, legalized states and those where it's not, it, is there a difference in that conversation between decriminalizing cannabis use and like legalizing full recreational use? Mm. Yes, that is a there's a huge difference there. So with the decriminalization piece, that is saying well let me start out with what it's not saying. Decriminalizing is not saying that people should be going out and using this substance. Decriminalizing is not saying that like if you get pulled over with the substance that nothing will happen right what decriminalizing is saying is instead of us putting you into the criminal justice system instead of us putting you into you know the prison complex we're going to get help you get treatment and help Mm -hmm. you find support and Mm -hmm. help you find a community that can you know come around you right so that's what at least good decriminalization looks like yeah um Whereas legalization, that is, if you got pulled over, as long as you weren't high and driving, if you got pulled over, you know, with some weed, it's just like, ah, okay, you know, like, it's it's all right to have here, no biggie. Right. <laughs> I mean, I think people don't realize that um, alcohol is not fully recreationally legalized. Mm. Right? Because you cannot recreationally drink and drive a vehicle mm. or operate machinery. Yeah. You cannot recreationally drink and get away with being belligerent and Mm. smashed drunk right like there are there are pieces of recreational alcohol use that are not fully legalized there are serious 
legal consequences to using alcohol in the wrong way. Mm. Alcohol is merely decriminalized in some parts of everyday life. Right when it's used reasonably, when it's used safely, when it's not putting yourself or other lives in danger, yeah. then it is partially decriminalized. But it's like so often cannabis is compared to alcohol, like well, they're the same thing. It's like, well, do you know what you're arguing for? Right, because mm. what you're arguing for is that you will still get a DUI if you're pulled over and you're high. You yeah. will still get jail time if you cause a car accident and there's marijuana in your system. Any marijuana. Right? Like, you'll still get a disorderly conduct filing and probably a misdemeanor charge if you get in a fight because you were feeling paranoid. Mm. Right? Or you were starting to tweak because, like, you, you needed that next fix or whatever. Like, all of those things still apply to alcohol. Mm. That's what you're arguing for. Yeah. It's like, what are you? Are you actually fully arguing for full recreational legalization? Yeah. Nobody actually is. No, that yeah. fascinates me. And also, in in places where it is legal, there is, like, it, it's not like they're selling it on the store in stores like you know, and, and, and like at Walmart, Colorado, <laughs> right. right? It's right. not like just like open to the public, and and that's where it is. It might be legal to obtain. But it's only decriminalized in certain in certain specific situations. Right. There's there's no actual there's no such thing as full recreational legalization anywhere in the United States. And you're not going to be able I don't think it'd ever be possible to have any kind of and I think this might be part of the danger of cannabis or of, you know, law like longer lasting um you know, psychoactive drugs. Yeah. Part of the danger is you can't really do it socially, right? You could. It's possible if you're in your home, but there's no way to do it at a restaurant or anything in relation to that because you can't, you're not going to be able to drive afterwards for many hours without getting a DUI or without having, right. you know, and so it almost breeds a culture of isolation mm. or it could, it easily could. That's really interesting. So to kind of land the plane here, what, what advice would you give someone who is using cannabis regularly? Or um, maybe they feel really invested in this cannabis culture as part of their identity. Like, what would what advice would you give them about themselves and about you know what they can do to take the next healthiest step? Hmm. That's a that's a really interesting question. If I were to talk to somebody, if somebody was sitting right across from me and I was just giving some a little bit of advice and that they were willing to hear, yeah, that they're willing to hear. That's <laughs> that's a key. Um, I would say that. You know, it, it can it can be problematic. If they're willing to hear me, I'd say can, cannabis can be problematic, and you may not believe that it is, and that's all right. But similar to somebody who is in AA, you know, in AA they have um, this idea of just like make it through today, yeah, just for today, right? And so, um, just try to make it today. Just go for, just don't smoke today. See if you can get through one day, mm-hmm. and then see if you can get through another. And if it's really attached to your identity, if you really believe that like, you know, like almost all of your conversations are revolving around cannabis, all, all your conversations are revolving around, you know, just like being high. And then at very least, even if you're not going to get out of the culture, start building habits outside of cannabis, because that opens up your opportunity to find people outside of that community. Yeah. Whether it's just like playing video games and getting really invested in arts or movies or like learning how to like, I don't know, 
run a business. Like yeah. <laughs> as crazy as that. Any right? hobby, any outlet that's yeah. not specifically related to the substance. Exactly. That just something there. And so then, because part of what I've seen pull a lot of people out of the cannabis culture is once you start to get those hobbies and then you're having conversations with people in the cannabis culture, you realize how shallow their interpretations of lives life is. Right. You know, because it's all related to that. You're like, Oh, this is really interesting. I just learned the psychological fact or like, I'm trying to better myself in this way. You know, maybe I'm still smoking, but I'm like taking a run every once in a while. And they're just like, yeah, my lungs are shot from all this. Weed. It's like they can tie everything back to it. Right. And then it show it can really, you know, maybe expose some of the, um, the shallowness that you can easily hide under all the like philosophical talks you have when you're <laughs> right, trying <laughs> using, to advocate for yeah, it. trying to have. Yeah, well, that's helpful advice, man. Thank you for sharing your wisdom and your perspective. I, I think this is a, it's been a really insightful episode. I've enjoyed being here and, you know, I, I like being on this side of it, having two mics. It's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so great. So much more comfortable than sharing a mic. <laughs> All right. I think we can consider this myth pretty well busted. Yeah. Busted. Busted. All right. Uh, so next month in the month of July, 2023 is going to be episode six of season three. And we're going to be chatting about the concept of harm reduction mm. and some of the myths that surround harm reduction. We're really going to dig into like, what it is, what it is not, what people mean when they use the phrase or when they're describing activities or, or services within that umbrella, and try and give uh, you, dear listener, a, a better perspective and a more accurate representation of what it means and, and where we would recommend from a professional perspective you should probably land on a few of those, a few of those ideas. So this has been episode five of season three of the Willow Center podcast. I'm Chase. And I'm Mason. Thank you so much for listening. We'll catch you next month.